everybody, welcome to another episode of That Band, where today's podcast is proudly supported by the team of Matt and Anna at Roller Games and their Mad for Footy board game. They're kicking big bags of goals, making turnovers at critical times, and changing the way footy is delivered one game at a time. That's what this new AFL-inspired board game is all about, and you can find them on at Roller Games on Instagram, Roller Games on Facebook, and rollergames.com.au, that's R-O-L-L-A, to find out a bit more about them, but more importantly, to get your hands on a Mad for Footy board game for you and the family. That's right, Season 3, Episode 76, it's a WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap, a little bit later than normal, what we would have liked, but... um. Family life, Savannah, Lila Joy, bat life uh, can be a busy one. So I'm finding the time where I get it. All right, let's start off with all things AFLW, and that means it's a little bit of West Coast Eagles and Fremantle Dockers. Lally sends it in. They want to mark as it's knocked down. Tie, dangerous in this situation. From the angle, on your tie. Found some room where there was none. Uh, lifted West Coast. Swanson. Sending it forward, knocked over by Bartlett. Now it's to Franklin, the former Docker, on the fly. Buries it against a former team. Now, it wasn't a perfect start to the weekend uh, when acknowledging the team's traditional Indigenous heritage for Wall Yallup, or Fremantle. Uh, where we enter the first quarter, they were very much behind the eight ball, the Dockers, uh, conceding six scoring shots to no score, uh, putting them actually down 16-0 going into the first break, uh, with that difference remaining close to the same going into halftime, and entering the second half, actually gave out three goals for to one goal for, for the final margin to be about four goals. They were just off the pace, unfortunately, while Yallop, and they couldn't match it with one of the better teams in the competition in regards to the Cats. Um, they had 41 less uncontested possessions. They only kicked the ball at 61% disposal efficiency, which is quite low. Uh, they gave up a 56% inside 50 efficiency to Geelong, uh, who actually, which ended up leading to 16 to 3 marks inside 50 for the Cats. Just way too many. Uh, you just can't have that happen. Um, they really only broke even for the team uh, was in the clearances game. Uh, they lost it by two, and uh, the centre clearances were actually four apiece. A uh, friend of the show, Anya Tai, uh, we did an interview with her a couple of months ago. Terrific uh, person and great footballer up and coming. Uh, the Irish export, oh sorry, import should I say. Uh, she had 17 disposals and one goal. She actually chipped in also with a ruck with 11 hitouts. Whilst Ange Stannett was important for the team with 10 disposals, 4 clearances and 13 tackles. Uh, brought the pressure, did Ange. Uh, but Mim Strong continuing to pave the way for the team and be a shining light. Uh, she tallied 19 hitouts. 14 disposals, 4 tackles, and 3 clearances. So doing a little bit of everything. Now to West Coast, and it was a dirty day at Mineral Resources Park. Uh, they took on the reigning premiers in Nam, uh, with the contest going to script, unfortunately. Uh, believe it or not, the West Coast was only down by 15 points going into half time before not scoring for the rest of the game. And they conceded 4 goals 7 in the third quarter, and three goal six in the fourth quarter. They actually gave up 27 total scoring shots across the entirety of the match. Probably their worst outing for the entire season. And they were really made uh, to look second rate. And that's at best. Where to start? It's not good reading from top to bottom. Uh, nine to 52 inside 50s. And those nine just 22% inside 50 efficiency. They gave up 54% to the Ds. Uh, in regards to, of course, inside 50 efficiency themselves. So just, you know, way too easy when it's coming in there. Uh, for minus 46 in contested possessions, that's a trouncing. They allowed 22 marks inside 50. They got beaten in clearances minus 10, which is actually not too bad. But comprehensive, 
all-round loss, one of their worst efforts, I reckon, of their existence. So they've been around, I think, for four years. Um, easily one of their worst outings, hands down. Uh, Charlie Thomas, she collected 28 disposals and eight marks, but the ball was down in defense. It was down in D50, so she was always going to get a lot of the ball. There were going to be rebounds. Uh, Ella Roberts, she told away for 26 disposals, five marks, five tackles, and four clearances, whilst Bella Lewis was probably their next best performer with 15 disposals, five tackles, and four clearances. Now, West Coast is still sitting in second last with just one team yet to register a win, but with a dismal percentage of 41.7%. Just tragic. Uh, whilst Fremantle stay in 13th uh, with round eight, seeing Fremantle host a top four team, or actually a four on the trot, uh, wins St. Kilda. And this is at Fremantle over on Sunday, uh, midday, where the Eagles, they're off to Windy Hill to play the top eight Bombers in the last match of the round on Sunday afternoon. All right, we're going to leave it there for the AFLW. Now it's time to hit the hardcore and talk a bit of Perth Wildcats. Listen to the hiss, listen to the growl. Perth Wildcats are on the prowl. Can you feel the heat? Listen to their feet. Tearing up the cotton, building up the heat. Here we come. Oh no, here we come. Oh no, here we come. Yeah, Perth Wildcats are on the prowl. Watch out if you're in the way. Well, we uh, unfortunately can't get any more positive because what a disaster of a weekend for the Perth Wildcats. Not only losing the two contests against two top contenders, one of their imports gets injured in the first two minutes of the Friday night game. Now to Friday and uh, against United, Melbourne United, they just couldn't take or win the big moments. Uh, they went down 81-88, uh, with pivotal terms being the first and the third. Um, they actually lost both of those uh, by nine points. Uh, they shot 27 of 78, so you know, taking 10-plus field goals at just 35%. So they had 10 more shots, and they're still shooting at 35%. They left... Eight points out there also getting to the line 26 times, but going 18 of 26 at 69%. That is not up to MBL standard. You lose by seven, you leave eight points out there. Hey, it could be a different game. Uh, I'll give them credit where it's due in this game. They won the rebound count plus two, offensive rebounds plus five, steals plus three, and they'll actually plus 11 in points from turnovers, but they still couldn't get the job done. And where it lacked and lied was in the second string for each team, as Melbourne United's bench points led from the front with 32 to 13. Because most of the time, you know what you're going to get from your starters, but the point of difference is what can you get from your second-tier players to give you the edge. Keanu Pinder was their most dynamic and effective player on Friday night. He had 25 points, 7 rebounds, 8 of 14, all in just 27 minutes. But he still fouled out. This is one of his problems. Whilst Jordan Usher worked his way up to 20 points, 7 rebounds. However, only at 6 of 18 from the field and 3 of 9 from 3 point. Not really a fan at the moment uh, in regards to his shot selection. It truly does need to improve. I still really like him. I'm a believer in Jordan Usher for now. Um, but he needs to work on his shot selection. Christian Doolittle was the player who got injured, unfortunately, so he wasn't going to take part across any of the remainder of week's weekend's action and was still waiting to see um, exactly what the injury is and uh, his time frame for returning. Now, moving forward, it wasn't going to get any easier with back-to-back -back champions Sydney on their home floor. And whilst the team started off with 
another point to prove getting off to an early start. That was where the dominance and momentum stopped from halfway through the first quarter, really. Um, they still went into the first break uh, only two points down, but they lost the second quarter by six. They squared the third term to give themselves a chance as the lead blew out to 15 or 16 points in that last term for a late couple of buckets, drew it to a final scoreline and defeat 86 to 99. So, to be honest, a pretty solid defeat. Um, I'm not fussed about the 11 of 33 at 33% three-point shooting because Sydney were worse. They were 7 of 40 at 18%. So that wasn't the difference in the game. That didn't decide um, the, in regards to their poor shooting. What did, though, was allowing the Kings to get to the line, giving up 16 more free-throw attempts and 13 more points alone on the free-throw line. They committed nine more personal fouls. You've got to keep your hands out. You've got to play straight up and down deep. And they were absolutely whacked. And they were taught a lesson in rebounding, losing it by 19, 1-9, in particular the offensive rebounds that they lost by 7. Keanu Peter had 9 points and 7 rebounds, but again, 4 personal fouls, and he only played 26 minutes. This guy is a high-level player, but he keeps getting himself in foul trouble, and he's not being able to stay on the court. Just not good enough. Especially from one of your stars. I'm giving a nice little shout-out to Hiram Harris, who came on in the third term when the team was really struggling at both ends of the floor, and he generated not just points, but three rebounds, one assist, and in just six minutes, he had a plus-five, plus-minus, uh, which is the, which was the second best of any Wildcat who hit the floor. I liked his energy. I liked his positivity, his hustle. I think he's going to get a bit more time, so um, John really has to start using those kinds of players. Now they've tumbled to a two and three uh, record. They're sitting eighth on the ladder. They're so far off the pace off the pace. It's not funny. They're not on the top tier, especially after a lot of people talk them up as being a true championship contender. They couldn't be further from that. Uh, they, of course, have some true soul-searching to do ahead of an away match versus Adelaide. Uh, they will not want to take lightly after Adelaide's 1-4 start to the season, and uh, they got a win on the weekend too. So, th so they're rolling, and they're bringing in a brand-new Australian player uh, in highly regarded uh, sharpshooter, Dayan Vasiljevic, uh, who was uh, over in the United States uh, playing for Washington, um, but uh, he, he got released from his contract. So suffice to say, a much-needed win that they have to get on Saturday. Right, we're going to leave it there for the Perth Wildcats. Let's now stay with basketball, talk some Perth Lynx. Ryan pops it over the top. Lovely ball movement. This time they get it inside to Scherf. I really like that. Again, that was the exact way Scherf scored last time with her other points. Ryan comes away with it. Margin back to nine. Scherf, she pulls the trigger from long range and makes it. She's in traffic. She'll kick it out. Whitcomb's got plenty of time. Now let's get to their pre-season matches. That has been part of the inaugural River City Rebound Competition in Brisbane. Now first up, it was a nail-biting one-point win over Sydney Flames, 94-93. They actually did lead by as much as 12 points, with star WNBA import Ari McDonald leading the way with 22 points, 5 assists, 9 of 12 from the field, plus 10, plus minus. Amy Atwell, uh, the captain, was also solid with her 17 points and 5 rebounds. A new recruit, and we spoke about her uh, last week, Mila Goodchild, to keep an eye on her. And we're keeping a very close eye because she's doing a great job. 14 points, 9 rebounds, and we saw the run-and-gun style of play from coach Ryan Petrick continue, which was evident in the 23-10 fast-break points. 
Now on Saturday, next up it was Townsville Fire, and going into the break, they were actually down nine points before storming home in the second half to win 86-80 with four players in double digits, all of them with 17 points or more, but such was the tightness of the game. There were 15 lead changes across uh, the match in itself. Now, big centre and import Canadian Emily Potter. She led the way with 20 points and 6 rebounds, whilst McDonald was back at it with 19 points, and Annalie Malley impacted the game on both ends of the floor. And listen to these stats. 18 points and 17 rebounds. Maybe she could uh, teach the Perth Wildcats about how to box out. So that would be nice. Now, the Perth Lynx's final game as part of the, of course, the competition that they, uh, the inaugural one, the, re, uh, the River City Rebound, uh, had them facing, of course, where is it? On Sunday. Another nail-biter, ensuring going into half-time, only led by one point, uh, before overrunning the Lightning, 98-90, to 90, uh, with new recruit. And uh, again, we're just pumping her up big time because Mila Goodchild is just dominating at the moment. Uh, 21 points, 3 of 6 from the 3-point land, 8 of 8 from the free-throw line, just disciplined shooting there. Once again, might be able to give the Perth Wildcats a bit of a lesson. Uh, whilst Annalie Malley uh, was strong as always, 14 points, 15 rebounds. How about that double-double, if you don't not mind? We love Lauren Scher from last season, but um, Annalie Malley is certainly picking up. And of course, we've got Emily Potter too. Now, this team is never going to be dominant in the paint. Uh, they actually lost that tally, 32-48. to 48, But they were back at it with fast break points, uh, winning that tally, 23-5. to 5. So run and gun style, Ryan Petrick knows, knows his game, and he's got the players to execute it. It's now back to the training court, 3-0 for the River City rebound. Um, all you can ask for, but there are only preseason matches, so you have to take everything with a grain of salt and uh, wait until, and look ahead to November 3, and their first game up against the Sydney Flames at home. But what a start for the Lynx. Couldn't ask for much more. Right, let's now head to the pitch. Let's talk a little bit of glory, and that means, firstly, a little bit of glory women. Glory, glory, Perth, glory. Glory, glory, Perth, glory. Glory, glory, Perth, glory. Our boys are marching on. Our boys will strike like lightning on their goals will have a feast. Now, the season has officially begun for the ladies. Uh, what a way to start, taking care of a high-quality outfit uh, in runners-up to the championship last year in Western United. They actually beat them 2-0 in their Macedonia Park Clash Saturday evening. Now, Morgan Aquino, she was on song early, stopping a couple of... Uh, opportunities first up from United, but mostly for the first half it was relatively uneventful. Now the deadlock however was broken in the 48th minute, a stunning curling strike from Susan Fong Songham where in the 62nd minute actually looked like scores would level up, only to be narrowly uh, denied the, uh, Western United by the crossbar and a mistimed header. Uh, and with that miss, opening up a supreme strike from World Cup hero New Zealand international glory debutante Grace Jale uh, in the 78th minute to seal the 2-0 victory. You've got to check out uh, check out that stri strike by Grace. It was just brilliant. Check out the socials of uh, the Perth glory. Uh, just a supreme strike. A super strike. Um, but yeah, they made a strong statement, the Perth glory, that uh, they're really not here to mess around. They're a team to not take lightly. But they've still got room for improvement. Uh, they did uh, concede 14 to 10 goal, uh, of course, 
goal attempts and eight to three shots on goal. So if United were a bit more clinical, it could have been a different story. But hence they weren't, and the glory capitalized when they did have their opportunity. So you have to make the most of what you got. So we're going to leave it there now for the Perth Glory women in regards to on-field. But off-field, the Perth Glory itself, both the men and the women, finally is sorted out. The club has been sold off. Uh, it's concluded uh, with Prime Land Group-led consortium, a Melbourne-based development company specialising in asset management, having a presence in Australia, Singapore, UK, India, UAE, uh, and Europe, with John Nekic, uh, the head, and he was also appointed as executive chairman-elect on the Perth Glory. And lastly, on John himself, He's actually been involved in various levels of Australian football for four decades, holding a range of roles as chair, CEO, committee member, and advisor. So Prime Land Group-led consortium. So welcome, uh, obviously, I, uh, maybe they should be welcoming us, but nonetheless, they are at the top of the uh, of the helm, and uh, we have a new owner now, which is fantastic. And this will actually be just the third owner for the club in the space of 27 years. Right, that's it for the Perth Glory women, and of course, big news in regards to ownership. But now let's talk a little bit of cricket, and it's about time we touch base with the Western Fury. Mooney, who scoops this one into the gap, will get two out of that. Didn't get all of it, so that'll be 150 for Beth Mooney. What an excellent innings. A history-making innings for Western Australia. Absolutely. Last ball off the WA innings. Alright, it was back-to-back -back matches uh, up against the South Australian Scorpions away next up for the ladies. And whilst looking to carry on the momentum from their first two games and the first two wins, they couldn't uh, move forward and uh, keep rolling with the 2-0 start against Victoria a couple of weeks ago. But back on Tuesday last week was Game 1 at Karen Rolton Oval. And uh, it truly came down to the bowling. Uh, they actually gave up 263 runs, with Zoe Brickliffe going at 8 for an economy rate and Chloe Ainsworth 5 points as well. Um, between both of them, they gave up a lot of runs. Now, best in show for the bowling group without uh, sort of bowling them out was Piper Cleary's 4 for 49 from her 10 overs. But unfortunately, that was where the positives stopped. Uh, the girls got bowled out for 176. And they're actually in a, a, a nice position of strength, three for 100, but they fell to lose the last seven wickets for 76 runs, and they just didn't have the capacity to chase down the target. Maddie Drake stood out, and uh, was a nice positive hitting, 55 or 68, but uh, falling to a run out. And normal high run scorers in Chloe Paparo, the captain, and Matilda Carmichael, uh, they got bowled out for single digits. So um, when your top order isn't making runs or setting a nice platform, it's going to be difficult to chase that kind of target. But there was no time uh, for the Western Fury to lick their wounds, uh, going back at the same opposition two days later. And what a turnaround, albeit in much tighter circumstances than what occurred two days prior. Um, the Redbacks again won the tops, and they elected to bat. Surprise, surprise. And they tallied an almost identical score, four runs or less, uh, this time 269. Oh, wait. Oh, what are they at? 260, no, 265. Apologies. Um, but uh, five wickets less, too, as well. Piper Cleary, she was also back at it, shining in the wicket-taking column, uh, picking up three for 44 from her 10 overs. However, this time it was not going to be the same result, with the top order holding firm in Maddie Dark's 47 from 47, Matilda Carmichael's 30 of 45. Um, so they sort of hit the ground running to be 1 for 99, 2 for 167, and 3 for 210. So really nice partnerships there. And just being able to hold on in the end, despite a little losses 
of 4 for 36 uh, in the back end of the innings. In fact, uh, they actually won with uh, just, just with an over to spare. Or the majority of the run chase, however, was anchored by the captain, Chloe Paparo, hitting 104 of 112. Talk about a captain's knock if you ever needed one. Uh, the Western Fury now sit 3-1, and one, 3 wins and 1 loss, but they're equal first on points, technically sitting third, um, just a bit behind on net run rate. And that was solely due to their first heavy loss to South Australia back on Tuesday, or the Tuesday last week. Um, but for... Um, now the competition will take a bit of a recess, as will the Western Fury, a um, bit of a break and a hiatus as the WBBL begins. And the Perth Scorchers women uh, will be beginning the WBBL campaign. And they're hopefully looking to bounce back from a disappointing 2022-2023 campaign. And that's it for our Western Fury, but get excited about the Perth Scorchers. And that is the end of Season 3, Episode 76, the WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap, where our Western Fury went 1-1 one and one up against the uh, South Australian Scorpions, and where most of the squad uh, will have a bit of a break from the 50-overs, and they'll now turn to the 20-over game in, uh, of course, everything T20, the WBBL, so um, get down and uh, support our women, and we'll, of course, be touching base with them next weekend uh, about how they go for the start of the season. Glory women, talk about great starts. Well, uh, 1-0, and oh, and up against a high-quality outfit in Western United uh, to get their season rolling. Uh, the Perth Lynx, 3-0 and uh, in the River City Rebound pre-season competition. Uh, they're gearing up for the beginning of their campaign in uh, just, just over a couple of weeks. And the Perth Wildcats could not have... Uh, have had a worse weekend, essentially. Zero and two. Uh, injuries, terrible shooting, shocking rebounding. We've touched on it enough. They're just not good enough. And, uh, well... Let's just roll on with with the poor form, unfortunately. Uh, our two WA teams in the AFLW, just not up to standard. So we'll see what they can do and if they can bounce back. Now, if you haven't already, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating, and leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform via Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. And whether you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening, it's been an absolute joy and a privilege having you on board. Look after yourself. Stay safe. But uh, from out of that, yours truly. I'm out for now.